Hey, hey, Sith brothers and sisters, my fellow purebloods and cultists, rebel scum on the run, most importantly, Star Wars fans. How the hell are you guys this holiday weekend? I hope everyone has or has had a happy and safe 4th of July, especially if you're here in the States. Uh, a lot of excitement on my end, of course. I had my first sitting for my long have I waited Kylo Ren tattoo. Uh, we went fairly close to full half sleeve on it. Uh, so session one was strictly outlining and some of the blackening on the mask. And I have to tell you folks, if you follow me on Instagram or you're friends with me on Facebook, or actually I didn't post it on Instagram, but I did post the session one picture on my Facebook the day that I got it the other day. And I have to tell you what, this new guy that I went to for this, his name is Sean Kelly works out of Lakeside Tattoo. He's done quite a few Star Wars pieces. You can tell definitely that he's a fan. He was really, from the moment that I started talking to him, he was definitely excited about doing this tattoo. And when I got there, honestly, he delivered and he listened to every single thing that I said about my tattoo aesthetic, he, uh, the tattoos that I already have, the kind of tattoos that I'm into. And honestly, I am so appreciative that he recognized the beauty and the piece on its own. I mean, even not fully colored in, it's a gorgeous piece. You can tell, I mean, it was roughly two and a half hours to get the outline and the blackening that I have. I uh, don't necessarily think coloring will take as long, but honestly, you never know. Uh, but I cannot say enough about this tattoo. I'm so excited. I tried to hold in the emotions just seeing the first session in there. I've got to, however long it takes me to heal this, uh, and then reach out to him and get my final coloring session in, and then she'll be done. So it's kind of new frontier for me with the tattoos because all my tattoos have been a single sitting. And aside from the spicy part, uh, some of the floral gets a little close to that inner pit, uh, armpit area. That one was a little spicy. And um, surprisingly, directly on top of the shoulder, the very top of the arm, because it, the very top of the tattoo is directly on that bone right there. Um, that was kind of interesting because I could definitely feel just the nerve endings in that area when he was doing that part. But honestly, it's a beautiful piece on its own. We didn't really change a whole lot. We added a little bit of floral in there just to tweak it. But I love the contrast with the hardness of the tattoo and just the little flecks of uh, just to make the tattoo unique and for me. 
Uh, I guess the big, big decision is to decide the outer detailing, what we're going to color in. But I think definitely the few floral pieces that are in here, I know initially he had thrown around blue, but blue's not going to go good with the tattoo. And I know with the Vader tattoo, I played around with uh, the duality of Anakin in the Vader tattoo I have with the blue smoke behind him. But I did not necessarily want to do the same thing for the Kylo one because there's a lot about Ben Solo that we have not seen or really has been developed and that's kind of I think that's why the jury's still out on my opinion I understand why in the need to have him come full circle but I just you know there's there's a lot to really explore and flesh out between the flashbacks that we have from the last Jedi and what we see in like him actually Kylo Ren in episode 7 so there's a lot to explore so he said blue and of course I figured well we're already going to have some the lining on the helmet is already going to be in red and I figured I didn't want to pump too much red in there so I was like it's like well why don't we go with purple because blue and red make purple rain just kidding <laughs> robot chicken boba fett joke anyways but yeah leaning towards purple or like an aubergine eggplant so definitely excited like i said hopefully i'll keep you guys posted absolutely uh and i won't post on instagram till i get it finalized just because um if i tag or put on like death star tattoos or most eisley tattoos I already know people are going to be like, it's not, you know, is it finished or are you going to color it and stuff like that. So uh, I'm not going to post and broadcast it on there until she's uh, she's been hit with uh, hit with the color. So lots of excitement on that front. I have not purchased anything new, surprisingly. Uh, because obviously all my energy and strength has been going towards this tattoo. Because obviously this tattoo is going to cost me more than probably a few of my tattoos put together, honestly. So, uh, I did happen to come across and I was about 10 minutes too late. But I saw on Facebook Marketplace in the uh, Star Wars uh, book buy and trade group that I'm on somebody was selling a hardcover Darth Plagueis for like 35 bucks and I think the book jacket only had like a little tear on it so I immediately shot her a message asking about the tear and I didn't get a picture but she's like you know I had somebody literally 10 minutes before you message me if they don't want it then it's yours and unfortunately I never heard back from her so I do have it on Audible. It's just one of those things where, aside from the Banes, I think that's the other book I'm really looking forward to reading. Uh, and I just would actually really like a physical copy. There are, um, there are not very many books, especially Star Wars ones, that I can honestly say. I feel like I pay more attention uh, when I have it in, and I do a lot better with it physically in my hand. 
Um, I do a lot of audible books or audio stuff. Like if I'm driving to and from work or if I'm at work, I'll listen to some stuff on my Libby app, but nothing Star Wars related. So we will see on there. And of course, been toying around with whether or not to go after they re-released the, or they're starting to re-release and redesign the Bane covers. I know the first one just came out and the second one, uh, Rule of Two, comes out, I believe, in September. Of course, by then I hope to honestly be at least having started the Bane series by then. So, jury's out, but there's really not that much of a difference other than it being a little bigger. And I do like the cover art on the first one, not so much the second one. So, I really don't necessarily see the need to repurchase that or the Thrawn books, which God only knows when I'm going to get to him. But, let's see. That's all for the books. And then, of course, Old Republic, my omnibus, comes out uh, this week. It'll be in on Wednesday, so I'll be able to go pick my Old Republic omnibus, my Darth Vader 2 trade paperback, and my Bounty Hunter 2 trade paperback. I'll be able to pick up all those so i'll be able to at least touch on that next week on the new episode i did also before we switch gears to comic review i did find out a interesting bit of news so somewhere and i think it was fanta tracks had shared that the National Air and Space Museum in D.C. is supposedly going to have on display Poe's X-Wing from Episode 9. Um, I need to actually Google and see when that is supposed to be on display, but I used to live up that way, and it's... It can be a lot of fun. It's definitely a lot to do in one day, but I honestly wouldn't mind going back up that way. Uh, and I'll suck it up and go into the Air and Space Museum to see the X-Wing. Um, of course, uh promise to leave my lightsaber or my uh, electro chain whip or leave the heavy artillery, my plasma cannon or my AT-ATs at home, I promise. Uh, I promise not to blow it up and make a scene. Anyways, <laughs> hey, I had to say I had to say it. Somebody had to. But we're gonna go ahead and hit pause for a moment so I can grab my review notes for Revan, and I'll be right back. Sit tight. Alright kids, let's see if I can try this again. I tried recording it earlier today and ran into an issue where I had to cut my recording short. So, trying it again here at home without any interruptions. So, so far with Revan, where we're at in the book, today we're going to be reviewing chapters 11 through 15. In the review we did previously, Revan and... A former Mandalorian by the name of Candorus Odor decide that they're going to go visit Candorus's Mando clan currently on 
Ricade. We meet his wife, Vila, who is now in charge of the clan. Revan's, of course, going by the name Avner for right now. And Scourge dispatches Zedrix. However, before he dies, he warns Zedrix that he's being used. So, continuing with the review, chapter 11. Revan wakes up from his dream, or Revan's dream wakes him. Dream of him and Malik finding then hiding the Mandalore mask. However, there's something else here on Ricade. He's feeling slightly hungover at this point. He manages to convince Candorus that he needs to tell Vila, his wife, that they need to move the clan's camp closer to where Revan thinks the missing Mandalore mask has been hidden. Vila, listening to all of this, explains that they know Revan disappeared for three days. There were few places in hyperspace lanes available to him. There are currently on Ricade over a hundred Mando clans searching with them, going world after world, and whoever finds the mask has been fated to find it. Avner speaks up and says, I know where Revan hid the mask. Let me help you find it. He says that there are two twin spears, which are two really tall columns of ice, that there's a tunnel nearby them, and that this tunnel goes deep. He thinks this is where the mask is. Revan's speech miraculously works in getting the camp moved. However, the area near the Twin Spears happens to be in another clan's territory, Clan Gendry. Gen, Gen Dry. If they get caught, war will break loose. So they've got to be careful. <clears throat> using Bascalus war droids, which happen to be used for their most revered warriors, like Vila, Clan Odor start moving in and attack just before dawn as they reach their destination. It is in this attack with the rival clan where it is suddenly discovered that Avner, a.k.a. Revan, ends up revealing to everybody that he is a Jedi by using his lightsaber to attack the Gendry clan. Chapter 12. Scourge decides to go interrogate Setchel, Nyrus's servant.
says that Nyrus is using him. Nyrus must have been watching or was alerted when he returned because she stops Scourge from further injuring and or interrogating Setchel at this point. They both go to her private office and she decides to tell the truth. Zedrix was indeed working with the Separatists. However, she hired the assassins to take heat off herself and her co-conspirators on the Dark Council. Says that they're trying to move against the Emperor. If you remember in our previous review last week, Scourge was able to determine just by his battle with Zedrix that the Emperor more than likely encourages this infighting amongst the Dark Council so that way they don't rally and use their combined force and effort to go against him. This pretty much all confirms it at this point. Scourge ends up saying to Nyrus, well, okay, well, what's in it for me to keep your secret then? And Nyrus is like, Nyrus basically tells him, is like, hey, look, I want you on our side. And promises to take him to the Emperor's homeworld of Nathema to discover the truth about the Emperor and his dealings. She lastly tells Scourge that the Emperor is preparing to go for war against the Republic here again soon. Much like Naga Sado did and failed miserably in which we reviewed last month, the Tales of the Jedi series. Chapter 13, Vila finally discovers who Avner is. Shocker. <laughs> if you don't know by now, folks, women, at least most of us, we're not stupid. I think when, when we did our review last week, I think I mentioned, I thought there's no worse not very subtle way. I mean, an idiot could be able to, and of course, this is us outside looking in. Avner wasn't really that difficult. Not to mention the fact it didn't help that Revan had his lightsaber with him. So naturally he goes to reveal himself. You can't expect Vila not to call him out on it. So surprise, surprise, Vila calls him out. So inside this Twin Peak, they discover an empty tomb. And inside of it, the sarcophagus containing the Mandalore mask and a Datacron. Revan's memories start to bombard him. And Vila tells Revan that he cannot leave this place alive. She reminds Candorus that he was supposed to be their rightful leader and starts giving him flack for lining up with Revan of all people. So now Candorus is in the hot seat and is put in a position where he must choose between Vila and his clan and Revan. 
They open fire on one another, and Candorus makes the tough choice. He ends up shooting Vila through the heart. For the rest of the evening, camped out in the Twin Peak, they remain mostly silent, and they camp out there until morning. Chapter 14. Candorus asks Revan what's on the Datacron. So be prepared because this opens, hopefully you won't get lost and confused, this opens a whole big backstory on this tomb and the backstory on the emperor and everything. Hopefully you guys, like I said, it was a little confusing. The tomb that they're in belonged to Lord Dramoth II. His father, a thousand years earlier, ruled Medrias. His father was overthrown by Lord Vitiate and renamed Medrias Nathema. Dramoth II fled when his father died and hid here on Rakade with a handful of his loyal followers. Dramoth II was buried in that twin peak there with the Datacron when he died. Revan keeps going into the story about Mandalore and his significance in all this. A few years before the war with the Republic, Mandalore was approached by a Sith who claimed he was a descendant of the Sith Lord who drove Dramoth into exile. He seeked help in finding his enemy's tomb. In exchange for the remains in that tomb, the Sith offered Mandalore the vision his master had which was Mandalore's rise against the Republic and the subsequent collapse of the Republic. Mandalore becomes manipulated and consumed by the dark side and the information the Sith tells him. However, he does not realize this until his death. Candorus asks Revan, if Nathema is the place he keeps seeing in his dream, and Mandalore, or excuse me, Revan doesn't think it is, but now they have to go to Nathema. He thinks the place in his dream is somewhere that he and Malik visited after they went to Nathema. There's a current kind of unspoken, unsaid rule during this time. Nobody's allowed to travel to the Emperor's homeworld of Nathema. It's considered forbidden. And I put a bunch of question marks on that because at the time, you're like, okay, why is it forbidden? Candorus tells Revan he wants to go with him, but Revan reminds him or tells him basically that he needs to stay here and lead his people. Based off of his actions, 
Candrus now takes the Mandalore mask and proclaims himself Candrus the Reserver. And Revan leaves Rakade in the Ebon Hawk with T3 heading to Nathema. Okay. So chapter 15. A week passes since Nyrus told Scourge the truth about Zedrix. Scourge, in turn, promised not to act on what he knows until he sees Nathema for himself. So Scourge and Nyrus take off, and she starts telling him the story of the Emperor on their way there. The Emperor's name was Tenebrae. And at the age of six, he began to manifest signs of the force, which made him an elite. His parents, however, were simple farmers and were not force sensitive. The father confronts the mother about the boy's powers and the mother admits to an affair with a Sith Lord. The dad flips out. Tenebrae stops his father from attacking his mother and in turn ends up killing his dad instantly and punishing his mother for months with a slow, agonizing death for her betrayal by torture as his powers continued to grow. That's some sick shit right there. That's some that's some kind of shining bullshit right there. I, t- <laughs> uh, I tell you what. Okay. Now orphaned, he comes back to his village and proclaims himself ruler, killing and torturing anybody who disagreed. Tenebrae's real father was Lord Dramath. His rise to power expanded and thousands died by his hand. Early on, he dismissed what was going on. Dramath waited four years before going to see his son which at the time now, Tenebrae was 10. Tenebrae obviously had no plans of submitting or dying. Therefore, he stripped his father of his power and his mind, killing him, who basically is looking up at his son in terror. Three years later, Tenebrae fully captures Nathema. At 13 years old, kids, that's fucking impressive. Dramat II, the firstborn, fled rather than facing his half-brother, a.k.a. Tenebrae. Other Sith now wanted the empty throne, but it fell to Tenebrae. At 13... 
He presents himself to Marka Ragnos, the ruler of all the Sith and the leader of the Sith Council. That is the Sith Lord that we, in the first section, I believe, of Tales of the Jedi, that's the funeral that Ludo, Kresh, and Naga Sado end up creating a scene at, if you remember, to help connect the dots. Impressed, Mark Aragnos grants Tenebrae the official title of Lord Vitiate and returns to Nathema to further research the dark side. Tenebrae ends up staying on Nathema for a hundred years, and by this time, Mark Aragnos now dies. He didn't fight for Ragnos's position or get involved in the hyperspace war that ensued after his death between Naga Sado and Ludo Kresh. He took no side the aftermath of that war Vitiate rose and called for a Sith council on Nathema. He asked all of them to perform a ritual that would unlock the full power of the dark side. Having a reputation of a scholar, not a warrior, he was a simple ruler of one world, but many answered his call. As they arrived on Nathema, Vitiate used their fear of being whipped or excuse me, being wiped out by the Jedi and turned them all into slaves under his control. This was considered the most powerful ritual ever attempted. Vitiate absorbed all their power into himself and in the process killing everyone and everything on Nathema. That's quite a powerful visual. Something that this book does very well. This now makes Vitiate immortal and the emperor. Scourge, at the end of the story, seems a little unfazed by Vitiate's actions and kind of has this, it's what we do, kind of reply to Nyrus, who responds back with, I believe that to myself until I saw Nathema. As they approach, Scourge senses something unnatural and alien. What he sees makes him physically ill. To where he's basically telling Nyrus he's seen enough that they need to leave. Until. Da 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 da. The Ebon Hawk shows up on their radar. And when I say this, folks, I mean it. If Revan and the Ebon Hawk were about a couple minutes later, 
this book would have never, the rest of this book would have never happened. You realize that this is, this Revan showing up on Nathema as Scourge and Nyrus are trying to leave. This is the climax of the story. It's this pivotal moment right here. Rather than Nyrus and Scourge leaving undetected, she ends up opening fire on Revan and the Ebon Hawk. Reacting too late, the ion blast takes out Ebon's electrical systems, etc., basically leaving them to the mercy of gravity. And I put crash landing oopsies. It's <laughs> exactly what it says. Crash landing oopsies. So. We find out the story in the review this week. We find out the story of the emperor. And his father. Lord Dramath. Apparently Lord Dramath had another son. This other son was the tomb that they were just in on Ricade. So hopefully now all this back info and name dropping start to make sense to everybody. Next week, we're going to continue on with chapter 16 through 20 of Revan. I hope you all are enjoying this review. Please do not forget to like, comment, share, or dis or subscribe if you haven't. You can email me and the show at ratedrkohalls at gmail.com. I'm going to put it in the description so that way you can see it. If you like or add me on Facebook or Instagram... Please shoot me a message and let me know, hey, I found you through the podcast. I've been getting a lot of strange, weird requests lately. So just want to put that out there for further. I want to thank everybody again to all my loyal listeners and followers for supporting me and my life on Exegol. I want to, of course... Shout out to give props where props are due. My friends at the Ebon Hawk podcast. My friends at the NFO podcast. Social disturbancing. And lastly, one of my Twitter supporters, Swotor Retweets, who has graciously, anytime anybody uses the SWOTOR hashtag, which ever since I started this SWOTOR swerve, obviously I've been using, I want to thank you guys for the love. Looking forward to hearing from you guys. Let me know what you think about the review. And until next time, as always, may the force be with you.